With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Very good morning to you wherever you are in the world. Four minutes past seven GMT or UTC if you don't like the imperial nature of Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, very good afternoon to you in Australia. Uh, and I hope you're having a good night in the United States and Cuba. Yes, I say those two places in the same breath. Uh, our previous guest, Ed Augustine, giving us an insight into the tra- travails uh, of living in Cuba at the moment. Uh, lots of commentary, not least provoked by my commentary about this just earlier on. Uh, let me just read a couple of them i haven't got time to express my views on these but let me uh read them too uh uh the same distrust this is uh holly the same distrust that thought that rostov was in ukraine geography wasn't a strong point yeah holly she also thought that the uh black sea and the baltic sea were pretty much the same place as well um and the meeting with the queen when she was already dead hilarious panto sorry chris i thought she was a total disgrace and embarrassment that's what holly says uh chris responds uh, why because of her geography or what the daily mail told you she was going to implement similar policies to trump which raised the u.s economy to the best it had been in 50 years that scared the global communists coming out of their recent bloodlust for tyranny well chris if you support this trust and think she'd have been good i'll take credit for that because i did train her uh a long very very long time ago decades ago and Mr. Ted says, Lebit, thanks for bringing Cuban topic on TNT radio and showing hypocrisy of the Western governments. It's a total disgrace what Cuban babies did to the West to be punished like this. What about children in Palestine? Yes, well, we are a truly noble uh, uh, network and uh, we try to bring truth wherever we can. Truly international uh, here at TNT. Do keep your calls and comments coming. Coming up in this hour, we have an absolutely packed show. We've got Gemma Cooper coming on in just a moment or two we've got harry wilkinson from net zero watch on an absolute slam dunk of a story apparently the uk is supposed to pay for historical carbon dioxide emissions from its colonial past does that sound familiar well harry wilkinson will tell us the latest on that that was a story i spotted overnight uh so it's totally fresh out of the uh out of the uh, stalls Linda Jack joins us, a former political, uh, she is a current political commentator and a human uh, human rights uh, campaigner as well. Uh, it's uh, her opportunity to share what she thinks is going on in the Middle East and talk about some demonstrations which caused some controversy in uh, in London as well. And then we have Bishop, Bishop Kai Duar, uh, a man with one of the most erudite turns of phrase you'll ever hear from a pulpit. He'll be sharing his perspective on the weekend headlines, offering a roundup of the news and uh, hopefully uh, uniting people uh, to meaning uh, with humorous banter as well. All of those people with me in this hour. Uh, Just want to go to a couple of stories which caught my eye. Uh, The Gaza situation is interesting and it's slightly confusing as well. Um, It seems that there is a continuing dialogue about extending the truce. We're not going to call it a ceasefire because world leaders told us they didn't want a ceasefire. So you can't call it that. Instead, it's got to be a pause in fighting for reasons which, frankly, defeat me. But uh, that's holding at the moment an uneasy truce all the same. And I'm going to call it a truce. It looks like the Palestinian side, Hamas, is seeking to extend it. Not clear 
what the Israelis want to do about this. Uh, but we'll have a chat with uh, Linda Jack about that a little bit later on. I wonder when it became de rigueur to oppose truces, to oppose ceasefires. The world's gone crazy, ladies and gentlemen. I've always thought those are a good thing. Uh, and then just one other one. Uh, Joe Biden's waded into that one, so we'll leave him with that one. But this this empire story about emissions, double UK's climate responsibility, this is in The Guardian. We'll come back to this later on. But I found a story which uh, Harry Wilkinson is going to talk about. And this is from The Guardian, which is a left-leaning, they call themselves a newspaper, but let's just call it a document full of opinions. Uh, and some facts, maybe. Uh, it says, climate crisis, British Empire's past emissions, double UK's climate responsibility. Exclusive data shows that including CO2 from countries once under colonial rule makes Britain one of the world's biggest historical emitters. They've gone for the empire to blame Britain, population 70 million, for double the emissions it was previously responsible for. That's what it's come to, to blame the UK for climate crises. Mm. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. I wonder what you think. Uh, historical reparations. I've heard that so much in the past. Get some creativity, guys, at The Guardian. But anyway, we'll find out more about that in a moment. Whatever's on your mind, do go to the chat. I'll get as many of your comments in as I can, though it's a very packed hour. Uh, I'll do my best there. Also, you'll find phone numbers. If you do call, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be a brief call, but you're welcome to come on the show with your opinions, which could be contrary to what you're hearing from me. All of that with me, Lemmy Topic, here on TNT Radio. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Back with us again, it's Gemma Cooper. Hello again, Gemma. Uh, I just love the fact The Guardian's reporting a story that we now have to pay for historical reparations, presumably going back a thousand years. But there we go. There we go. <laughs> I suppose nothing new under the sun there. What do you expect from The Guardian newspaper? Um, well, which I suspect you don't read. Well, it's the mainstream in general, isn't it? It's a very weird and selective approach to news and what is news and what, you know, steering public opinion and thought, which it's doing increasingly less and less. But just interesting that you're going to be talking about um, the demonstrations that happened here in London at the weekend with one of your guests, because um, it is funny how the mainstream takes that approach to protest as well, because there was a huge demonstration against anti-Semitism at the weekend in London. Um, thousands and thousands of people marched through the capital, you know, almost brought it to a standstill. There were a lot of celebrities there. Boris Johnson was there with Carrie and his little boy. And it's, it's, it's garnered acres and acres of images, as have the pro-Palestinian uh, protests that have been happening since, since the war broke out. And the, and the media has gone mad on these protests. You know, images everywhere, images everywhere. Uh, where were they when we were doing anti-lockdown? I went on pretty much every single anti-lockdown march in London where the numbers were equal, if not greater, than the ones we're seeing on the streets about the Middle East. Not a dicky bird from the mainstream, you know? And, and, and they somehow justify it as like, well, one protest is better than another. Of course, these protests uh, stoke division and conflict. Pick a side, pick a side. Which side are you on? Do you want to go to the pro-Palestinian or the anti-Semitism one? Uh, you know, they're fueling it. But when, when normal right-thinking people who've probably never been to a protest in their life turned out onto the streets during 2020, 21 and 22, no, tumbleweed moment. Unless there was a scuffle with the police in Hyde Park, in which case it was blown out of all proportion. But it's just, you know, they, they, you know, historical reparations for climate change. I mean, that's a story that it's almost a satire, isn't it? Um, and, and ignoring one protest in favour of another. It's just, it's just, 
you've got to keep your clear head about you when it comes to the mainstream these days because it's just bamboozling i think and that's not even the story i wanted to talk about there we go <laughs> right. you can't not you can't not can you you can't not <laughs> yeah. just one sentence on that when black lives matter broke just about every lockdown rule in the book they were more or less fated for it uh, and then, as you say, uh, the COVID uh, people were described in this pejorative way as anti-vaxxers, uh, as if this meant that you hadn't been listening at school. Uh, I think we come back to this time and time again, because every week that goes by shows that those people who objected to mandatory injections and vaccinations were right. And I'm now getting a fairly big post bag on my inter on my email from TNT Radio about this, and I'm going to get some of those uh, some of those listeners on to talk about it too. So credit to you for being in the minority, but being in the right. It seems to me uh, during the lockdown time, and and we pay a price. We pay a price for being the uh, pathfinders for truth, and I guess the vindication is being here. It is, but it, you know, casting your eye over the mainstream headlines every day, and just I mean, I just I just. I raised my eyebrows in sort of like, oh, there we go. When I saw how much coverage these protests are now getting at the, against the, against or for Palestine or Israel, you know, the amount of photographs and 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 images, and I was just like, well, where were you when you know a huge cross section of the British public were turning out? It's just anyway, anyway, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I find, find it too depressing. Um, the story, the the story I've actually. Um, seen this morning we talked about the nhs at the top of the last hour and and those very shocking figures about deaths and suffering due to delays um and there's another um freedom of information request about the nhs which makes for worrying reading and that is that the number of uh, adolescents and children almost uh, on puberty blockers has more than doubled since the nhs is, this is prescribing on the nhs it's more than doubled since the nhs pledged to clamp down on this totally. Um, in July 2022, health bosses in the NHS said, no more puberty blockers, we're going to stop this outside of clinical trials. And this was after an extremely damning review by the former president of the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health, um, who came out in 2022. And she says, these drugs uh, will permanently disrupt brain maturation of adolescents and potentially rewiring neural circuits in a way that cannot be reversed. And I'm, I know quite a bit about neural pathways in the brain and how important they are because I've studied a lot of yoga and meditation. And as you know, I'm training to be a psychologist. Neural pathways determine how you live your life. And she was saying, look, once you start taking these drugs, that's pretty much game over. You've changed your entire kind of way of being as a young person. And she was the one, interestingly, that called for the closure of the Tavistock Institute, the Gender Clinic for Children and Young People, uh, which did happen in July 2022. So they said, right, we'll stop this now. It's We've gone too far. But figures today, out today here in the UK, that show between July 2022, where they pledged to stop it, and July 2023, um, the number of children on puberty blockers rose to nearly 100, which was double the average of the previous two years and that's not counting drugs that have been prescribed through private healthcare or just in a gp surgery um so people have come out against these figures this morning quite uh, you know stringently one consultant psychiatrist and a whistleblower about the tavistock institute actually did say that 98 percent of uh, young people that take these drugs end up then taking hormones of the opposite sex and end up having gender reassignment surgery later on. And he said the pathway is pretty much uh, irreversible. Uh, he's saying that these uh, they're not looking at the issues like autism, which can be a factor in, in wanting gen thinking you want to be a different sex, uh, depression, trauma within families, 
Um, and and they, he says these are the things that we need to look at when a child presents thinking it wants to be a different uh, gender. Um, so the question really has to be raised is why, one, why is it still happening? And two, why are so many young people now just you know, want to go against nature and the way that we are made and either delay puberty or once you even are in puberty, decide you want to be somebody else. There seems to be record numbers of unhappiness within children and young people. I mean, you've got children yourself, Lembe, mm. I don't, but there seems to be this, um, you know, we'll, we'll stop doing it, but we're not going to stop doing it. And it seems to be easier to prescribe drugs you know, a pill for every ill, as we talk about quite a lot here on TNT. Um, or, you know, if there was a vaccine to, to change your gender, I'm sure they would develop one. Um, instead of sitting a child down and saying, what's the matter? What's wrong? Why, why do you feel this way? There's no um, discourse. It's just, right, okay, yeah. we'll give you some drugs and we'll see where this goes. But the figures are quite startling. There has been a kickback, though, today against this and it's saying, look, you, you said you would stop it. Let's just stop it. Um, because once you start, Pretty difficult to stop. My my daughter, age six, she wants to be a princess. Her favorite color is pink. She talks about boyfriends, not in a in a sexual way, just uses the phrase. Uh, yesterday, she well, I was actually preparing for the show today. She sat on top of me under a blanket and said, "Let's pretend you're pregnant, Daddy." It's not because he was she was suggesting I should go for gender reassignment. It was just a game. But the danger is when we do this to children, we force them to try to make decisions which they're clearly not in a situation to do. And I suspect there'll be a degree of peer group pressure because of idiotic movements and really very sinister movements like the Tavistock Institute, which clearly have their own agenda, Gemma. Yeah, and I wonder where this agenda is is going and why it was ever allowed to even creep into our culture in the first place, you know, with like, I, I want to be somebody else, I, I'm unhappy. Well. <laughs> That's the teenage condition. Do you remember being an adolescent? Do you remember what yeah. it's like? Everybody remembers what happens when those hormones start flooding your system. You're monumentally yeah. confused. Suddenly you're catapulted out of the innocence of childhood. Yeah. It is a confusing time, but it seems yeah. to be that's been exploited. It's exploited. So let's get, you know, drugs are expensive. Let's give them drugs. Let's do this. Let's do that. What about talking to young people? What about saying, look, this feels, to this is normal. Being unhappy as an adolescent is normal. You don't need any drugs. It's a de developmental stage that your brain is pushing you through. It's a bit like midlife. When you get into midlife, the classic age between 47 and 52, mm. people get depressed. They have trauma. They have a, a questioning of themselves. It's a developmental, developmental stage that pushes you into the next phase of your life. And that's the thing, you know, there's millions of books written about the midlife transition. We're not supposed to be happy all the time, um, but it's the, it's, the, it's the drugs, isn't it? I mean, soon it'll be like, um, I broke a nail, well, there's a drug for that. You know, I, I tripped in the bathroom, well, there's a drug for that. That's where I think this is going. But um, of course, when it comes to reassignment of gender and wanting to swap, the, the gender neutrality, that does rather lead into the kind of transhuman thing of like, we've lost our male and femaleness which is yeah. the balance and how we're made in the image of the creator and all that kind of thing mm. but yeah it the, the figures show that the nhs pledged to stop doing this and they haven't and if anything the numbers are going up which is mm. a cause for concern uh, yes my midlife crisis started about 30 years ago and there's, there's no sign of stopping yet if there was a vaccine for that i'd consider it but I just have to live with my my angst. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Gemma Cooper. Very serious points there. Have you or your family been affected by the pressure, potentially the social pressure, to start 
considering your sexuality in a way that you would not necessarily otherwise have done, maybe you think it's a good thing. Maybe you think that there is a role for it, but what's proportionate then? How much should be invested in this? Uh, I would hope that no viewer, no listener uh, would discriminate against people for making sincerely held views. The question is, do we mess with people's points of view at an age when they're vulnerable? I want you to tell me. I'm Lemmy Topic. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained Uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Greetings, Demidopic here, 22 minutes past seven uh, in uh, the United Kingdom. That's Greenwich Mean Time or UTC. Uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, evening to you in Sydney. Uh, good night to you in Cuba and the United States. And good morning uh, in all parts of Europe. Uh, now, this next story really got my attention. Uh, the Guardian, which is a left-leaning uh, newspaper, calls itself newspaper, uh, has under the title climate crisis british empire's past emissions double uk's climate responsibility and apparently exclusive it's an exclusive data shows that including co2 from countries once under colonial rule makes britain one of the world's biggest historical emitters this story broke yesterday from the environmental editor damien carrington so does britain have to hang its head in shame and pay more reparations you tell me somebody who can certainly comment on this is from net zero watch head of policy there harry wilkinson good morning harry good morning lambert well you know britain was always a fairly high historical emitter and the reason was we created the industrial revolution and you know that's something i think we can be very proud of because it transformed living standards uh, throughout the world it seems like we only focus on the disadvantages rather than the advantages but this professional sort of uh, grievance mongering operation has looked back in the past and found that rather than a devastating three percent of world emissions we were now responsible for an even more frightening and horrific five percent of of past global emissions so this has really shocked us all of course we feel even more guilty than 
we ever did before. And, you know, this just feeds into so much of what um, the climate movement is, is becoming, which is uh, looking at the sinfulness side of things, looking at how guilty we should feel, uh, just ignoring the fact that the world's been getting better and better, ignoring the fact that we're actually adapting to climate change better all the time, um, and ignoring that actually, if you, if you are really concerned about climate change, then the best way to do it is to look at new technologies which can continue people's living standards as or ideally better than they were before, um, rather than forcing people to use technologies that they don't want. Does this mean, and my calculations could be wrong, if, if you know better, then tell me in the chat at tntradio.life, uh, that this means that according to these new revised horrendous figures, the UK has been responsible for adding one carbon dioxide atom in 200 million atoms in the atmosphere every year. Well, you know, I think this is just human uh, CO2 emissions. You have to remember that, you know, human emissions of CO2, I think, are about 4% of the global total. Most of the CO2 molecules in the atmosphere have a completely natural uh, source. I mean, fossil fuel emissions were natural in, to start with because they've been, you know, organic matter that's been compressed over millions of years. But, you know, in the, in the more short term, you know, most of that CO2 has a natural cause. So, you know, this is, this is 5% of 4%. So it's, um, and then CO2, of course, is only 0.04% of gases in the atmosphere. So it's a, it's a tiny amount. So just to be clear, uh, according to these figures, these horrendous new shock figures from The Guardian, that means that the UK is responsible for one twenty, sorry, one twentieth of one twenty-fifth of 0.04% of a good yeah, gas. That, that, would, that, that would be about right, I should think. It's, yeah. uh, it's uh, something that's... It's been quite interesting, I think, for them to do this work and, and to work out these historical emissions. They would have had to make a lot of assumptions about, you know, how much uh, deforestation went on in certain countries during colonial periods. So I'm sure there's a lot of guesswork here um, to, to make a case that they, they're trying to make. Uh, just let me check. I'm right in saying that... Uh, and we had Professor Ian Plymer on the show last last week, and I'm right in saying that uh, it's just simply plain wrong to claim that there's any evidence to show that human-generated CO2 is making a measurable effect on the on the environment, uh, on, on the atmosphere, on the climate, sorry, to be precise. Well, I, I sort of tend to defer to people who are experts in this, and clearly Professor Ian Plymer is. Um, but, you know, my view is that, you know, you have some scientists... You have many scientists who say, you know, climate change um, is a threat. It, it is does have a man-made component. Uh, I tend to accept that, um, but I look at what organisations like the IPCC assessment reports actually say, and it doesn't look con too concerning to me. So even if we do accept the world is warming and we look at their models, to actually get to something uh, more scary or more significant, you have to assume that global coal use, for example, will keep expanding, uh, you know, very significantly between now and 2100, and it will just keep going up and up and up. You know, energy economists just don't think that is is likely at all. 
um, and you look at observations of extreme weather and dis discover that actually the IPCC says there's low confidence in any changes uh, to most forms of extreme weather. So the science as you know people think it is, is, is clearly a long way from this kind of apocalypse sort of the, the the actual narrative that there is this apocalyptic view of climate change that people uh, are lent to believe by the media by the hysterical politicians who are who are using fear to push uh, their radical uh, climate policies however you know the reality of climate science is it's much more uh, reassuring and, and, and less scary than that now, you use the word threat. I tend not to because it seems to me, I won't go into my my views on this in great detail, but it seems to me CO2 is actually a plus because it, it's a fertilizer. And all those animals that caused our, our fuel must have created oil when they died. They must have got the CO2 from somewhere in the first place. So obviously the CO2 was higher in the past. The, the, well, it's the question... clear that there are huge benefits of, of, of CO2 and this gets completely overlooked in almost a religious way. One way you know that you're dealing with something that isn't rational is that they only look at the disadvantages, that they don't accept. I mean, the, we wouldn't have a planet uh, with life on it without CO2. It's essential for plants, which are therefore you know, essential for everything else. CO2 has enormous benefits. We see as the world gets warmer, it's also getting greener and plants are growing better. And that's inevitably improving agricultural yields. You know, they actually deliberately increase CO2 in greenhouses uh, to get plants to grow better. You know, this is something that has huge benefits that we couldn't live without. And the fact that they obsess only with the negatives is, is because of this uh, completely uh, almost quasi-religious uh, way in which they deal with the topic. Because I've studied it for decades, my conclusion is that there isn't a climate crisis. There is climate change. And there always has been. And adaptation would be the best route, even if human beings were making a contribution. Adaptation is far more sensible than trying to stop climate change. But the question, finally, for you is, I detect a change. It seems to me that uh, um, catastrophist papers like The Guardian are having to come up with these increasingly desperate stories because people are losing interest and perhaps losing faith in being told all the time that the climate is changing when weather and climate have been mixed up so much by the Greens that, that when it gets cold, people relax anyway. Do you detect any change in outlook or atmosphere in terms of the atmosphere? I certainly hope so. so there was a significant moment this year when the Prime Minister actually sort of slightly uh, changed direction on net zero, saying that we had to do it in a way that wasn't leaving people poorer and that he was going to go a little bit slower on certain targets you know the policy hasn't changed much uh, but the rhetoric has changed the conservative government's uh, rhetoric on this has changed because they're actually having to justify why they wouldn't just go further and faster which was the dynamic that we were in uh, not so long ago so i think that is significant i think there's so many groups uh, so many voices now um of people who are who are refusing to accept uh, lower living standards, refusing to uh, accept all these restrictions on their lives, uh, and those voices are getting louder and louder. So I hope that people are, are starting to hear those the voices, like uh, your, your your own one, uh, Lambert. And I think that's that's having a, having a big impact. So we have to keep making the case. We have to keep 
showing people that there are alternatives to this, you know, backward looking, uh, you know, restrictive attitude uh, to the world. And uh, we're going to keep making our case at Net Zero Watch and uh, showing people that there, there are alternatives out there. And, and if, if we take this back far enough, logically, like The Guardian, we need to find out where the human race actually began and demand reparations from that country for not controlling the population when they had the chance. Thank you so much, Harry Wilkinson from Net Zero Watch. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you think the human beings are wrecking the planet? Do you think carbon dioxide is our friend or foe? Let me know in the chat. Uh, more of your calls and comments coming in the next half hour. Coming up next, we've got uh, political commentator uh, Linda Jack uh, uh, talking about the latest in Gaza. What's going on there? Can we make sense of it? And there we make predictions about the immediate future. All of that with me, Lambert Topic, here on TNT Radio. I got a news flash for you. News flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. A senior official in Ukraine has revealed then-UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson stopped Kyiv from reaching a peace deal with Russia last year. Terrorists with dual Australian citizenship could be stripped of their citizenship status under new laws set to be introduced to Parliament later this week. And more than 100 climate protesters have been arrested and charged in Australia following a 30-hour long demonstration which seen protesters block a major seaport. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. Uh, let me go pick with you for another 25 minutes 25 to 8 in the united kingdom good morning if you've just joined us good afternoon uh, or evening in sydney and welcome from all points in between uh just talking about the guardian's uh rhetoric about uh uk being responsible for five percent of climate damage or something like that holly says i think the guardian should just write the recipe columns such idiots she says uh on the uh, question of sex education and uh transgender issues at schools louise says they're pushing it in schools my son's comprehensive is teaching the children there are five genders uh yep morning to you ivan uh louise adds it's a global sex education that they have brought into schools in the uk the government signed up for this in 2017 uh and Gyra says guilt is a judeo-catholic trigger to keep you in check and i tend to agree with you guilt's a very powerful thing ivan uh, says rather luckily i don't seem to have a guilt complex ivan that worries me that means you may be a sociopath thanks for your honesty in there uh in terms of the environment holly adds it, it's all just basic isn't it uh net zero is a nonsense in every respect and spiral gyrads i took a fantastic picture of frost on fungi late saturday afternoon in surrey climate emergency yeah it was cold in surrey which is a county in the south of england and madrid says co2 is my best friend well then uh your best friend is scarce because there's only 0.04 percent of it in the atmosphere do keep calls and comments coming let's go to the conflict in the middle east now uh you may have seen if you watch the news on the uh, uh well or listen to the news here on uh, tnt radio that there's been quite a lot of uh 
hostage exchanging going on between uh, the Palestinian side and the Israeli side. There's a temporary truce. They say it's a pause in fighting. I think it's a truce or a ceasefire for now, uh, scheduled to last another day. What is going on there? Is there a prospect of a more peaceful settlement? Joining me now is Linda Jack, who'll tell us what she thinks is happening and what the prognosis is for the immediate future. Linda, good morning to you. Morning, Lambert. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. First of all, what's your take on what's actually going on there as best we can work out from a distance? Um, what has happened over the last few weeks has been truly horrific, both for um, the Israelis and for the Gazans. Uh, what's happening now with the hostage exchange can only be a good thing. However, if it's just a temporary ceasefire, um, all it is doing is kind of delaying the inevitable. And that's what worries me. We're seeing so many children, especially, killed in this conflict. And you, you've only got to look at the pictures coming out of Gaza. Um, the fact that they're now going down to Khan Yunis, which is where they told everybody to go. It's it's just a, the most horrendous and frightening situation. And I I don't hold out a lot of hope. I, you know, my whole life, we've been looking at different potential solutions. Um, my own view is that I just don't see uh, a two-state solution as being sustainable. Um, and that actually we need to look at something like uh, Northern Ireland and have a power sharing. But how possible that is either, I just don't know. I mean, it's just the most horrendous situation. Uh, which we have to look at we didn't get here by accident a lot of things have happened a lot of mistakes were made along the way that, that have ensured that we've got this ongoing conflict now you've been involved in uh british politics in two parties labor party and liberal democrats for at least four decades and mm -hmm. both of those parties seem to have got themselves into a condition of of opposing a formal ceasefire uh, yeah. With your internal experience, can you explain to me why ceasefires have become a bad thing? I, I think there is that there is a real danger. I feel that what's been happening in terms of the Israeli narrative, and I say Israeli deliberately because it's not Jewish; it's Israeli, in terms of what the government wants us to think and believe about them, um, that people are terrified of speaking out because everything is seen as anti-Semitism. Now, once upon a time, Zionism um, and anti-Zionism rather was not seen as anti-Semitism, but the two have been conflated now. And it, it doesn't take account of the fact that there is an attitude, and I've come across it in my dealings in the party. I've had a big run-in with one of the uh, Israeli ambassadors over this. Um, that the narrative is, well, there's lots of other, you know, there's lots of Christian states, there's lots of Muslim states, there's only one Jewish state. And they feel that that's, that's the most important thing. And so in order to preserve the Jewishness, they have a problem that they are trying to deal with. And in my view, dealing with it ineffectively to shut down the uh, Palestinians. And that happens in Israel as well with the um, Palestinian citizens of Israel. So, and that's where my interest comes because I've been involved with, with, with that for a long time. Just to say, just to make clear, um, Lembert, I was very much a Zionist for most of my life until I actually went to Israel, until I began to see what was really happening. And that really challenged me about my beliefs um, about it. And now I think, well, we, you know, Israel does have a, a right to exist. Um, 
but the foundations it was built on, to take a biblical uh, analogy, that were sand and not rock. And this is why we're seeing the problems we're seeing now. Now, there has been a lot of debate during the weekend about an anti-Semitism march. Yeah. Uh, and I saw what I have to say was a road crash interview with a senior Labour member of Parliament, shadow cabinet member, who just couldn't really properly answer whether he'd go on the march or not. Now, I have no problem saying I'm, I don't support anti-Semitism. I have no problem saying that I support those people who think that uh, Judaism is a legitimate religion like any other. Why did this, this and other politicians get themselves into such a mess, apparently mixing up uh, opposition to discrimination and then the debate about the political situation? Why can't they tell the difference? I, I, and that's exactly what I was just saying. I think there's been a problem in terms of the narrative from Israel, the Israeli government, and their, um, you know, their ambassadors, whoever gets on the radio and talks. People are, are scared to say what they really think um, because we see what happens quite often. So I think, for example, from my perspective, I didn't go on that march, but I would have gone on that march because I'm totally opposed to anti-Semitism and any form of discrimination that's based on. Um, who you are, where you come from, what you believe. I mean, seriously, if we cannot allow people to speak up about these issues, that's ridiculous. But I just feel that, again, the, I've been listening to the radio this morning, the way it's being framed is this wonderful, peaceful march where nobody was asking for ceasefire or doing, you know, all this. And it's like, actually, no, it's good. But there's no reason why you couldn't go on the... Um, stop the war kind of marches for to stop the war in Palestine and go on the anti-Semitism yeah. march as well to say, we, do, you know, let's not conflate the two. Well, they have. And it, it worries me that the Labour Party who want to be in government don't seem to have senior members of, of their shadow cabinet who can't tell the difference. Looking ahead then, Linda, the Hamas side is inferring fairly clearly that it would like to extend the ceasefire not allowed to call it that apparently maybe a pause in fighting uh, not clear where the israelis stand with it uh, they've said i heard this morning well we want to have a pause in fighting get all our hostages back and then destroy hamas which yes. doesn't sound very <laughs> encouraging to me what do you think is going to happen i'm only going to ask you in the next days because who knows what will happen in two weeks who knows? i know and it is so difficult to predict i mean i i, I imagine that they will continue because uh, the the families of the hostages rightly have been putting as much pressure as they can on the israeli government mm -hmm. so uh, i think the complication seems to be now that there are other groups that took hostages that it wasn't just hamas so no, now hamas is in that it's a bit like when we in in the um, Britain when we have the provisional IRA and then, and then we the official IRA and you know all the different splinter groups that actually if if the other groups don't agree with what Hamas is doing it's going to be very difficult to get those other hostages out um but from a, a, a from a humanitarian basis there should be space and time to get the hostages home that's that has to be the number one priority for the government but Thank you, Linda Jack. As always, very clear, uh, very uh, erudite uh, clarification. Let's see if you're right. We'll have you back very soon uh, on your commentary on Palestine. Uh, coming up next, we've got uh, Bishop Kai Dua with his take on what's been in the news over the last couple of days. All of that with me, Lemitopic, here on TNT Radio. 
With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones. He pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. Can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Prescription drug pricing points to corporate mountains. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom and your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important That's to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. This is the Lembit Opic Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Quarter to eight in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's late afternoon uh, or early evening, more accurately, in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, hello in Perth. Hello in New York. Hello in Cuba. Wherever you are, welcome to the home of free speech. That's TNT Radio with me, Lambert Opic. I've got 15 minutes to do a review of the weekend news. Just before we go into that, uh, just a couple of comments from the chat I really want to share. Uh, we were talking about carbon dioxide emissions, uh, and Barbara says CO2 is an essential gas gas and gas and my friend as in plymer says it is a plant food uh when our plants were forming um out of uh, forming uh, co2 levels were many times higher our levels are not trapping any heat or just a minuscule amount of heat technically you're right uh the biggest uh climate uh change gas the biggest greenhouse gas is of course water vapor where would we be without that no one complains about that talking about the gaza situation and my concern that many senior politicians in britain don't seem to really understand the difference between judaism which is a religion and zionism which is a political creed uh mazi says west streeting who is a politician in the uk was on victoria derbyshire interview there's some it's, it's a, she's a a presenter on one of the old uh, media my gosh just a babbling fool clearly has chosen his part in his is in this israel conflict looks like a young Keir starmer in my opinion creepy says here and then um holly adds i'm curious about the obsession with hostages but not with the amount of dead innocent men women and children on all sides not to mention the animals uh thanks for that uh, you will get as much clarity from me as possible uh just before we come to our next guest siv uh, from Sydney's on the line, wants to comment, comment on climate change. Siv, uh, good afternoon to you. Uh, I haven't got long, but I'll just give you a quick comment on climate change. Go yeah. ahead. 
Yes, good, good then. But um, yeah, that that whole climate change thing. Look, I I uh, I just think that the the puritanism the puritanism is actually being seen for what it is by a lot of people, and uh, you know the the green movement and all the rest of it pushing for us. Basically, you know what they're pushing for us to do? They're basically pushing for us essentially to go back to the Stone Age. In other words, if we're going to actually deal with this climate change stuff, we need to get into the cave. We need yeah, rub a few sticks together to create fires, and we need to actually stick some holes in the ground to actually, you know, so we can actually cook in them. Well, I'm sorry, I don't really like that, and I don't really want that, and I kind of like my modern conveniences. All you Puritans in the green movement can can go and stick all that where the sun doesn't shine. Good to talk to you, Lambert. Thank you, Siv. Um, your your economy with words is only matched by your strength of feeling. <laughs> I think that you probably spoke to quite a few people. Maybe you disagree. If you are uh, in the green movement, if you think there's a climate crisis, please do come and have your say. You're not going to be disrespected. I will give you the space, but I will ask you the questions too. Uh, you can go to tntradio.live and have your say. You will not be lambasted. You will not be censored. You will not be cancelled if you have those views. Uh, somebody else who is never, never cancelled uh, because he has an unstoppable... Um, he's, he is an unstoppable force of human nature, actually, is our next guest, Bishop K. Dewar. Uh, good uh, morning to you, Bishop. Thanks for joining us here on TNT Radio again. Good morning, Lambert. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's quite some introduction. That's a lot to live up to, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> but, you, you, you do it in, you do it innately. I wouldn't say well, anything I didn't believe. Thank you very much. I have to say, your last caller, the guest, I, I sat here chortling to myself because he clearly shares the same views that I have on climate change, which is this is another global hoax of epic, almost pandemic proportion. And the simple proof for anybody listening that, that, that climate change is an absolute hoax is the banking industry because if they genuinely believed the, the oceans were going to rise why is beachfront property the most financed property in the world right now they don't believe it and i go where the money goes that's a very good point and i know at least one former president of the united states of america and one former vice president have beachfronts beachfront beachfront apartments and it's said that even zelensky has bought a place in Egypt, but I haven't independently yep. corroborated that. Uh, but uh, as a man who lives on a on a coast-bound uh, uh, nation yourself, you're not worried about uh, Wales being inundated? Well, I have huge concerns about Wales being inundated, especially when you have a foreign secretary here in the UK that absolutely lambastes the government's proposal on immigration. And uh, over the weekend, as absolutely unashamedly admitted that the government is no longer in control of the British borders. And, and here in Wales, where we have a devolved parliament, we have a Welsh first minister that wants to create Wales as a sanctuary state for immigrants, which is a, a absolutely dumbfounding to me, so far beyond the powers of the devolved assembly. But it just goes to show that when you introduce middle management to government, that they think they're calling the shots and that they have a uh, a chance to now let, let me say something on that whilst the, the thought comes to my mind i'm not against devolved governments uh per se but they're within the devolved scotland act within the devolved wales act devolved northern ireland act there is a clause that when any of those governments begin to legislate or to negotiate on matters of national interest that's a breach of that act well scotland have done it we have two first ministers that have gone to europe to negotiate 
terms for a departure should they get independence. Wales are negotiating with foreign powers concerning the future of our country and an independent Wales, if we ever, which they they are clearly sleepwalking us towards. Those, uh, to me, are breaches of this act. We are one United Kingdom, and we must have a singular approach to immigration. You cannot have, like you have in the US, states legislating or countries within the United Kingdom legislating immigration policy that is anti the national policy for the sake of gaining political kudos and just being politically opposite to the ruling party. Now, uh, you're a man of faith. Uh, some would say that it's unchristian for you to not open the doors of Wales to all who wish to come. What would you say to that? I have zero problems with legal migration. I have helped genuine asylum seekers come to the United Kingdom to rebuild their life. People that were persecuted and threatened with death under Islamic rule within an, within an Islamic state purely because they were Christian. I have no problem with legal migration. I have huge problems with illegal migration. And I'll be really honest, speaking as a Christian and a clergyman, I have even bigger problems with any form of migration into the or immigration into the United Kingdom when we have massive societal problems here concerning homelessness, concerning the state of our health care, concerning our own citizenry that are not being addressed whilst we are spending hundreds of millions every year housing immigrants, housing illegal asylum seekers and wasting millions, hundreds of millions of, of pounds of taxpayers' money on immigration policies that are not working, not being enacted. Charity has always begun at home. And where we must tackle the issues in the in the United Kingdom first and foremost before we open our doors to a, with a welcome. Yes, we need immigration. We need controlled immigration. We need people to come to the UK to fill gaps in the labor market, skilled jobs, things like that. But we cannot have an undocumented, unregulated flow of people just pouring in. We are an island state. We only have so much money. We only have so much land. And we have to get a control on it for the benefit of all of the British public so that we can operate an immigration system that welcomes people to the United Kingdom in controlled numbers that benefit the country and the people living in the country that don't take resources that are needed by people here and put them in the pockets of people literally fleeing their country. And and Lembit, I'm not anti-anybody coming here, the, but the fact is 90 plus percent of people crossing the channel in boats are economic migrants. They're not genuine asylum seekers. I know, I know people in the processing centers. So the simple fact of the matter is we are we are taking desperately needed resources away from people at the lowest end of the financial spectrums in the United Kingdom. And we are paying migrants hundreds of millions in, in, in benefits, uh, in housing and all of these things that right now, I'm sorry, I have to say, the people in the United Kingdom need this money far more than somebody coming to our shores because they're not and I repeat, as a clergyman, as a Christian, they are not all genuine asylum seekers. Uh, the, I want to go to a couple of other stories before we finish that you may have spotted. Uh, just uh, if you can, in a few sentences, how is it that 
a, a government which claimed it could close our borders or at least control our borders has presided over a quarter of a million person net increase in our population in the last 12 months. Because they lack the testicular fortitude to do what needs to be done. Okay. Very clear answer there. We'll return to that one. What else have you seen in the news that caught your eye over the weekend? I tell you something that did flash up. Obviously, the, you know, we're, the whole world is talking about the situation between Hamas and Israel. Um, and I know you've had guests on this morning continuing that. So I thought, well, let me not pick up on that. I tell you what did catch my eye and, and is concerning for the younger people in the next generation as I look at it and the the, the, the failures and the breakdown of our society. In the UK, record numbers of young females are calling the revenge porn hotline at the moment. And that is an alarming situation that people are being victimized in this way. You know, uh, now the stupidity of it is that there's this necessity to take whatever form of sexual relationship you have, whether it's inside of marriage or outside of marriage, and put it onto video. But the fact that we are giving open access and freedom of access for people to actually just upload these videos to the internet to 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 name and shame an ex-partner simply because they've been jilted or cut off or whatever, there has to be something done about it. These are criminal acts. They are destroying lives. The number of people calling this hotline that is resulting in suicidal tendencies and actual suicide is spiraling out of control. Once again, a problem that we have here in the UK that is you know, very similar to uh, other problems or similar problems in other countries, but a problem the government is not doing enough to tackle. We have a weak, uh, in my opinion, a very weakened criminal justice system, predominantly dominated by the fact we have a two-tiered policing system, which leads me into something else that's happened over the weekend, as you've probably seen, that the clear and apparent bias of the London Metropolitan Police Force in the anti-anti-Semitism uh, protest rallies that took place. No violence transpired. There was none of the stuff that we saw during the pro-Palestine um, demonstrations for several weeks prior to that. And yet the police turned up mob-handed to arrest one individual when hundreds and hundreds of protesters that caused immense damage to war memorials that defamed British society that were crying aloud for jihad and uh, intifada on the streets of London, just got off scot-free, completely unprosecuted. So our judicial system, our justice system in the UK, criminal justice system, needs serious reform. And I'm sorry, we need a home secretary and a, and a, a foreign secretary that actually have the intestinal fortitude to be tough on crime, to be tough on immigration, to actually do what's right for, for British people and the British citizenry to protect British culture, the British way of life and the British laws before we start worrying about and, and, and that sounds terrible to say, given who I am and what I do. Mm. But my heart is always to the people that I have a care of duty to, first and foremost. Thank you so much. Uh, very clear, eloquent as always. Uh, we'll have uh, the Bishop back again. I wonder what do you think? Always happy to continue the dialogue on the chat. Uh, just two comments. Uh, what they don't say is CO2 lags temperature, uh, as Chris says. And one other one is they're building new airports in the Maldives. 
Suicide Spiral Gyro. Thanks for everybody, uh, the Bishop and everyone else who's been on. Thanks to uh, my team. Thanks to the gallery. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, I'm going to be back this time tomorrow, 6 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time, with more news and comment as it happens. And a great set of guests as well. Really appreciate your time here at the home of free speech. I'm Lemba Topic, and this is TNT Radio. Thank you.